Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. One of the things last week that was part of the, the questions is we were talking about Easter and, and its resurrection from the dead. And I'm just going to warn you here, I'm, I'm going to talk about a subject, I'm going to lead here with a subject that's taboo, that, that's a little bit, that makes people feel uncomfortable. And what I'm going to talk to you about is death. And, and the truth of the matter is that when it comes to, to death and the death of a loved one, there, there seems to be a period of time where, first of all, there's the, the shock or the hurt and the pain that's initial when, when someone dies and then you, you meet with the family and, and maybe there's a memorial service or whatever it is. And then after that period of time, sometimes it's a few days, sometimes it's a week, however, however long it is to the memorial service, that after the memorial service, if you've ever gone through this, and, and, and we talked about this in growth group last week, because... I asked people, who is someone close to you that has died? And we, have, we, we had all kinds, from parents to uh, siblings to, to children, nieces and nephews. And one of the questions that I asked is, do you still carry any type of pain from that? And many people do. And, and they talk about maybe with parents wishing they were there or that for the young person it was too soon and just missing them and, and all of these different emotions. And I was answering that question for myself as well. And what occurred to me is that if we, don't, if we would not have asked that question, it's like when is the last time you were allowed to talk about it? Because at some point what happens is that, that it happened a year ago or it happened two years ago or it happened 10 years ago. And, and kind of the, you, you get into this where on the one hand that, that if I come to you and talk about it, I don't want to bring up memories that are going to make you cry, right? I, do, I don't want to uh, pick at a scab of an old wound. But if you are that person who still thinks about it and still struggles with it, then if you go and you bring it up to someone else or you want to talk about it, you, you might get the feeling like, oh, they think I haven't gotten over this or, or maybe I haven't gotten over this and, and there's not an avenue for you to be able to talk about it. And so last week was a, a really neat week in growth group to go back, to, to let people process through people that were close to them that have now died. And, and it made me realize that without growth group, the, and specifically there, and other Christian people to talk about, it, it's just hard sometimes to have that conversation. And you need to. Second part of this, that, that I'm going from that subject, which is taboo, to, to another subject that is even worse. And that is when you start to talk to people about their own death. And that freaks people out. It, it does. And, and one of the, I see it, the way that I see it is that I talk to a number of people, uh, and, and this came about with my father-in-law happens to be a lawyer, and one of the things he talked to me about was wills and how many people do not have a will. 
And if you're like me, what I told him is, well, I don't need a will because I don't have any money, so there's not really anything to, to divide. And then he said, well, what about your children? And I was thinking, forced labor, something like that, I don't know, they do something. Uh, but no, it, it, the reality of it, he said, you need to think about that because especially if something happened to you and Tanya, you know, that you would want to make your wishes known uh, after you were gone. The problem is, and if, if you're going to do that and think about a will, you have to think about the possibility of you, yourself dying. Now, add on to that. If that freaks you out, I'm going to warn you because I'm going to freak you out even more right now. And that is, when we were in growth group, one of the, the things that I somewhat suggested was get your camera out, put on a, a video, and what would you think about having on your phone a video to be played in the possibility of your death? So that at my funeral, of course, you can, couldn't come to my funeral without me talking, right? So it'd be like, hey, guys, uh, if you're watching this right now, it means I'm dead. That pretty much sucks for you, but it's good for me because uh, I'm now with God and I'm loving it. So, and an opportunity to say, you know what, let this be a celebration. It would be an opportunity for me to witness my faith, to tell those, to make sure that they know how much I love them if I haven't told them enough, uh, to tell how much I've appreciated being part of the lives of the people that are there. All right, you guys, go back to whatever it is you're doing. I will see you soon. Salofra out, you know, and there it is. <laughs> Where you can just play that clip, uh, Ken, uh, at my funeral. So, so we're looking at this, and, and this is what I found with this talking about death in general, talking about your own death, that what it's like, it's like Harry Potter in Harry Potter, I remember when I first watched the movies and, and it was, they talked about the name that cannot be spoken or, or the name that, that's never said. And, and you're like, oh my goodness, what is this mystery around this name? Especially when I heard it for the first time. Whose name, who's the person who, that, who cannot be named? And slowly throughout the, the movies, I don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't seen it, but it is Voldemort. And that's the name, and, and with that name, when finally they start to say that name and it's said out loud, that people say, I'm not afraid of that name anymore. I'm not afraid. There's not this huge mystery about it. This is, this is an enemy. It, it's an enemy that can be faced, and it's an enemy that can be beaten. And I would like that to be the goal of our message for today. I'm going to say it, death. Okay, death. I'm not afraid of death. You do not need to be afraid of death. We can talk about death because we have life. And, and as we come to a better understanding and a better understanding of death, we will also have a better understanding of life and understand why it is something, why death is something we do not need to fear. So where we are going is I'm going to take you back to a death. Okay, and so we're going, we go from Easter, sorry, we're going in a, an order that's not chronological, so we're going back before Jesus rose from the dead, he died. And that's where we're going today in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, beginning with the 50th verse, says, 
And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And in case you don't know what that means, it means Jesus died. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. This is God's word. And what I would like you to do now is, is with this section, we're going to go back up to the top, specifically where it says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And as I said, what happened is Jesus died. In the blank, you can fill that in right away. Jesus experienced physical death. And what happens in spiritual death? I, I said this last week. This is what death is. His soul and body separated. He gave up his spirit. His body remained there, and his spirit, we're told in another account that he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he gave up his spirit, and he died. Went through separation of body and soul. Now, as we, we look at this, one of the questions with, with death is one that usually comes up, and especially with Jesus, we need to look at is why. That, that, that sometimes when a person dies, we ask the question, why? Why did this person die? And with Jesus, that, that's kind of a loaded question, but, but first of all, the reason why Jesus died, why Jesus gave up his spirit, a, a very practical reason is that his purpose for life was over. It was complete. A little bit earlier, Jesus had said, it is finished. It is paid in full. It is complete. And what he was talking about was the purpose of his life. The reason why Jesus had come into the world was to live a perfect life, to die as our substitute to pay the price for sin. And now that that was finished, now that the, the payment for sin for all people for all time was done, your payment was made that Jesus now was going to give up his spirit. The purpose of his life was now complete. There's a second reason also why Jesus died. And that was to go and face death for us. That it was now time as he, he, he realized that, that the purpose of his life was over, that, that one more thing remained and that was to face this enemy. And the enemy that we all face, the enemy whose name shall not be spoken, death, the one that everyone feared, feared because of sin, they understood why, that, that they made the connection between sin and death and, and why people die and death. It was the way that, that finally we would be separated from God and separated from those we care about forever, that Jesus faced that for you. And he did it so that three days later when he would rise, that you would understand 
that he has defeated death. He has defeated death. It, it cannot hold him, and it will not hold you either. And we'll get to that in a moment. Now, now we need to talk about this in our lives, okay? Now we understand this, that, that death hopefully right now is not quite as scary for you f- simply for saying the reality that it's a separation of body and soul. That's all that's going to happen when you die, that they're going to separate. Okay, now as you look at it, the, the question that I run into more than any other time is, is the why question. Why, not why am I going to die, because I think everyone here expects to die one day. I don't think there's anyone who, if you were to ask them, uh, do you think you're not going to die, would raise their hand and say, I don't think I'm going to. No, we know that's, that's part of life in this world is that we will die one day. But the, the, the issue that I run into more than any other is timing. Most people that I, I run into, that they're either dying too young or they're older and sick and they say, why am I still alive? And so the issue that we have is, is timing, right? And with Jesus and his life and death, we see perfect timing because we understand that his purpose was complete. And now that that purpose was over, it was time for him to give up his spirit and go be with the Lord in heaven. And I'm wondering if possibly the reason why we struggle so much with death and the timing of it is because we have the purpose of our lives messed up. Because usually when I talk to people about dying too young, what they say is, there's a bunch of things I want to do yet. That they look at the purpose of their lives as a way that there are a lot of things either I want to enjoy or I want to do. And maybe even some of them are really important things. If you think about them being a parent and say, no, I want to be there with my children. I need to continue to support them. Or, or someone who, who's a child where we look at that and say, this just is wrong on so many different levels, Lord. I'm not done loving that person yet. And, and they have so much to offer. But we go back to the purpose of our lives. And the purpose of our lives are not to give ourselves glory. And the purpose of our lives is not just to do what we want. The purpose of our lives are to give God glory and to do what he would have us do in our lives. So I want you to think about it this way. Maybe this would help. I've used this illustration in a message before, and I use it in my, the 201 class all the time, but it's, it's a good way, I think, to look at it. And that is, imagine if Jesus was here today, and he said, here's the deal. One-time offer for everyone at Crosswalk. There's a, there's a door right here, right off stage. And the deal that I'm making for you today is, if you would like to go to heaven today, come up front, walk through there, and you will, you will uh, go right into heaven. See you guys. <laughs> is Jeff here today? <laughs> Jeff's not going to heaven today. If anyone stays back, could you tell Tanya what happened? Oh, that's right. I would be in big trouble. I would be in big trouble because there's other people in the family, other people at Crosswalk 
who would say, can you be more self-centered, Dan? Really, all, the only person you thought about in that moment was yourself. And, and that selfish purpose of, of wanting to be away from pain and hurt and being with Jesus immediately. Jesus knows that. He says, you know what? I don't want your family upset with you. I don't want the people at Crosswalk mad at you, Dan. So how about this? How about if I decide when you die? How about if you put your time into God's hands and when he feels having all the knowledge and all the wisdom he has as God, knowing everything about everything in the world and his eternal purposes, that he says, how about if you put your times in my hands and I decide when to call you home? I say, all right, that, that's, a, that's a deal. And that's the same deal God has made with you as well. And that's part of our trust in him, of putting our, our life in his hands and knowing when it's time for our, our body and soul to separate, he is the one who will decide that. You know why he can do that? Because he holds the power of death and the power of life. We continue. This is a little bit before Jesus died. When he was on the cross, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And just so you don't miss what this is, we just got done talking about physical death, which is separation of body and soul. What we are witnessing here is Jesus going through spiritual death also for you, in the blank. We can say Jesus experienced spiritual death on the cross. The Son of God experienced separation from God. The Son of God experienced separation from God. And if you understand this, please meet me after the service to explain it to me. Because I would love to hear it. So, so you have Jesus, true God and true man, who on the cross is going to experience physical death. And now as he says these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's important for us to answer the question. Because if I was hanging on the cross and, and, and I was uh, being punished in that way and I were to ask the question, God, why are you forsaking me? The answer would be clear. Dan, do you really want to see the list? Uh, I don't know how much time you have, but I got a bunch of reasons. And it's called sin. And, and not only the sins that you have committed, but also, Dan, your very nature, your sinful nature, your inclination to evil all of the time, the part of you that hates me and always does. But when we look at Jesus, the question is, why would God forsake him? He is without sin. There's no reason to have a separation from him until we remember the purpose of Jesus' life, which was to come and pay the penalty for sin, which was not only physical death, but spiritual death, separation from God. And so what Jesus was experiencing on the cross is something that he had never experienced. God was experiencing something 
that he doesn't want us to experience, which is separation from God. And so for the first time, this is, when you think about this concept, Jesus was experiencing for the first time guilt. Not only feeling guilty, but actually being guilty. That as Jesus was hanging on the cross, that he was guilty for my sin, that he was guilty for the sin that you have committed, that he took the guilt of the entire world. And now, not only was he guilty, that God saw him as guilty, but he was actually now feeling guilt. That these feelings, that guilt would have permeated who he was. He was true God and true man. And, and now, if you think about sin and times when you are sin, what's the next thing to come? Shame. That Jesus, for the first time, it, it was experiencing shame on the cross. The shame, any shame that you have ever experienced because of sin that you have committed, anything that you've thought or said or done, anything that you would never let, never let anyone know about because you are so ashamed of it, Jesus carried that and experienced separation from God so that you don't have to. Jesus experienced spiritual death on the cross. The Son of God experienced separation from God. We continue. At that moment, this is when Jesus gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain of the temple... Uh, if you don't know anything about the, the temple or, or the tabernacle before it, uh, imagine uh, roughly, it wouldn't have been these dimensions exactly, but imagine if this, this would have been about the size of the temple and there would not have been chairs in it, you wouldn't have been able to sit in it. And, and what you would have is there's a place that was called the holy place and then up in front was the most holy place. And up here in the, the most holy place, where, where the, the drum set would be, there would have been the Ark of the Covenant. And, and that is the place where they would go and they would sprinkle blood as an atonement for sin. And in the most holy place, you, you couldn't go there. Many, many of the priests never did. It was the high priest who would go there. One time a year to make an atonement for sin. And so what they had in between there were, were these huge curtains. We have some of them, you can see them uh, up here on the stage. Well, the curtain that was in the temple was about this thick. And, and the message of the, that curtain was clear to the people. And that was, you are not welcome here. And I started thinking about that, uh, about that, that picture that we might have in our lives or in our lifetime. And a few images I, I, I got, and, and this is the Berlin Wall. And this is specifically when it was being built. And now imagine, as you see those people walking across, walking by the wall, do you think the message is clear? You can't go across here. You're not welcome there. You are, are not going to cross. There's another one as you see the divide between, that, that it's saying, I would like to see you try. I would like to see you try it, and maybe it's horrifying, but, but if you've ever seen video of people trying to cross and see them be shot by the, the guards, as you see them trying to get through the barbed wire and, and try, to, try to make it across, it, it was there because it, it was saying, you do not cross. This is, you do not go there. 
But we've also seen other images, haven't we, of the Berlin Wall? Because we know that that wall came down, remember? Take this wall down. And, and finally, that wall did come down. And the next one of the celebration of the people, once that wall was down, it, it, so much, it, it meant so much that now we are, are unified again, that we can go back and, cross, back and forth across and, and, and that we are welcome here and, and you are welcome there and, and, and it's cause for celebration. This would have been the exact picture of the, of the curtain in the temple. The message was that you're separated from God. Your sins have separated you from God. But now that Jesus had made the the payment for sin, the curtain is torn in two. And God is saying, you are welcome here. That you can approach me because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. Don't miss this imagery. It is so important. And anytime you see a wall as a reminder of someplace you do not belong or someone telling you you do not belong there, that remember with God that that is never the case. But through Christ, we have access to God. In the the blank, you can write, Jesus' death restores relationship or access or whatever word you want to word, connection. All of those different things that God, who, who we were separated with because of sin, that door is now open. We continue. So after that, that curtain is torn in two. The earth shook. The rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. All right, this is just kind of crazy, right? Think about this. What, first of all, okay, the earthquake I think we don't have a problem with. Maybe, you know, all right, God having an earthquake, the rock splitting. And even when you think of the, the tombs, that they would have had some of these rocks that would roll, okay, that they would break open. But now you have people who are raised to life, saints, those who believe in Jesus, that there were individuals who rose from the dead. That's one thing, okay? But now that they they were raised to life and stayed in the tombs then for a day and then came back in on Easter Sunday to show that they were alive in the power of of Christ and, and their resurrection. This is all the Bible tells us about that. I, I mean, I would like to go find out more. And and so there, there are questions like after these people came back to life. And did they, were, were they like, let me tell you a story about what's on the other side of the grave. Uh, or were they like, really God, of all the people you had to raise, it was me? I would have like a do not resuscitate band on, Lord. Once I'm dead, uh, until the last day, let me stay there. You know, did these people come back for a while and then go back? I don't know. That, that it, it's, how much it, it It doesn't tell us. And maybe the reason is that's not the point. The point is, is that Jesus now holds the keys to death. And he also has the ability to give not only spiritual, but also physical life. In the blank, you can write, with his death, Jesus destroyed death and gave life. 
One more thing, I, I, when, as we look at this idea of Jesus destroying death that we want to remember, there is one reason why death remains intact. One reason. And that is because Jesus allows it to. And the reason why Jesus allows death to remain intact is because it is a doorway to connection with God, to be with him forever. Before, remember that, that death was now this, this separation from God. It, it's when I died, all of a sudden the separation I had from, from God uh, because of sin, when I died, now that was permanent. But now death has become just the opposite. That death is the way that I go through that doorway when Jesus calls me home as I put my time in his hands Death is the way he calls me home. What a different way to look at death and a way to look at life because we know that Jesus has the power and Jesus makes the promises to bring us back. We continue. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they, terif- they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. In the blank, you can write, Jesus' life and death proved he is the Son of God. This also could be the subject of a sermon series. As we look at Jesus as the Son of God, he he proved he's the Son of God, which means his promises are true, which means everything that he promises we're going to receive, and and what it means for, for earthly life, for spiritual life, and all of those different things. But, but the point here that I, I want to make as well as this is that this truth that was in a general way made obvious through the ripping of the curtain temple was now brought in a personal way where a person sees and believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And, and that's the beauty of this too. This is the way that the Easter message comes to us. That as we see Jesus and his promises and his power, that we are brought through the power of the Holy Spirit to believe that message and see that it is true. Now, what does this mean for our lives? Because this is finally, as we bring these truths about life and death, ultimately we need to apply them to our own lives. And one place that Jesus did that was when he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. Right before that, he said to Lazarus' sister Martha, he said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And her answer was, yes, I believe that you are the Christ that has come from God. Look at those words one more time because I I think they're important. I don't think, I know they're important. I've never had a funeral, the death of a loved one that I have not used these words because they are so comforting and they are so, so, so direct about what is happening when someone dies that we need to clearly understand what is happening. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus gives life physically and spiritually. And then he gives in the way that it works. The one who believes in me will live. And he's talking about spiritual life. Your relationship with God, that it is something you enjoy today. You are not separated from God. You are spiritually alive. 
that you can go to the Lord in prayer, that you can hear his word, that you have communion and connection and relationship with God, and death, physical death, will not change that. So he who believes in me will have spiritual life and does have spiritual life even though they physically die. And so we know that we live beyond the grave. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die, will never be separated from God. Spiritual death, that separation from God is something that we do not need to be concerned about by physical death or anything in this life or anything in eternity. If you're still concerned about that, I encourage you to go to Romans chapter 8. The Apostle Paul asked the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And, and he goes on this whole list of things, shall, shall trouble or hardship or danger or nakedness or sword. And he's like, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors. For I'm convinced that neither height nor depth, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That is the promise Jesus made to Martha at the death of her brother and showed that power by bringing him back to life. And it is the power that he gives and the comfort that he gives to you as well. When you face one death one day, whether it be your own or the death of a loved one. In the blank you can write, Jesus promises physical life even after I die. Jesus gives eternal life even in the midst of earthly death. And it says gives, it could also be the word continues, eternal life. That we enjoy that relationship with God today. And the final words are, are from Romans 6 verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life we too may live a new life. And we'll fill in the blank right away. Knowing my destiny in heaven, knowing my destiny in heaven gives me the ability and desire to live a new life. I can enjoy my new life in Christ today. Today is a very important message. It really is. Easter and today's message go so hand in hand. And they're the basis now where as we look at this message series, Rise Up, today the, the, the emphasis is going to, I, I don't want to say change, but it is a little bit. And the emphasis now has been on Christ's resurrection what spiritual life is to me and, and as I face death. And, and a lot of those are, are, are future pointing. That, that as I look forward to the day of my death and I look forward to heaven and my, my destiny in heaven. And those are so important. Those are so important for you to know and, and have nailed down and, and understand the promises that God has made to you. Because what's going to happen, and, and this is the turn we're going to make in the message series, and, and starting next week, is we're going to look at the lives of the disciples, and we are going to see how they changed. 
that having this resurrection comfort, having resurrection comfort gave them resurrection confidence to live in their lives. And resurrection courage that also came from it. And, and to understand that is the way that this works, that, that if you look at the life change, that now living this new life of where this comes from, there, there's going to be an issue if you do not connect that to, to Jesus' payment for sins, his resurrection, and the promise of yours as well. Because what happens is as you begin to look at life from that perspective, as you, you broaden the perspective to, to an eternal perspective, that it changes the way you look at everything you face in life, and it also changes your heart and, and the fruits of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit living in you that brings about change. And I really, 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 really hope that you continue to come and come next week because to, next week is going to be that first step, that first step we see in the life of a Christian and we'll see in the early Christian church how it changed their lives forever. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we give you thanks today for, for many things. Uh, wanna give you thanks for, for Jesus' death, both physical and spiritual, to pay for our sins. We give you thanks that you have given us victory over physical death and spiritual death. We thank you that we do not uh, need to be worried about being separated from you for a moment. That was promised to us through Christ. Uh, dear Lord, help us now as, as we go forward to live with confidence, uh, to live with this resurrection perspective, uh, with comfort and, and confidence, knowing that you are with us every day. In the areas where we struggle, uh, give us strength. In the areas where we still talk about death, help us to have those conversations, to be open and honest, to, to celebrate life and, and the gifts that you give. And Lord, be with us every step of the way until finally we are with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. The rising up that was done on Easter, Jesus did, and we continue to celebrate that today, and, and we will for an eternity. And as we go through the message today, and I hope you, you take the message notes and also those growth group questions home with you, whether it be to your growth group or whether you just take an opportunity to look at them individually, go through those things. Take these truths that we've had today and, and apply them in your lives and, and live them. And that is part of the rising up that we are talking about, uh, rising up and living that new life that Christ has won for us. And now you, as you go, uh, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.